on today's episode, you're going to meet Phoebe Cross, a musician and an ecologist. I'm your host, Sylvia Morn, and you're listening to the Music Secrets Exposed podcast. Today, I have a fantastic lady on the podcast. Her name is Phoebe Cross, and she has a very interesting background. Initially, she was qualified in biology, and then from there, she's delved into music. And she's actually a drummer in a band that is returning to performance in November, hopefully, of this year. So I will let Phoebe introduce herself. Welcome, Phoebe, to the podcast. Hi, hello, I'm Phoebe. I'm calling in from South London today. Uh, I've just literally moved here yesterday. Um, so I'm hot spotting off my phone and hoping this all goes smoothly today. But yes, um, but uh, I work for a music charity called Youth Music um, as program coordinator. Sounds exciting. And thanks for such a nice introduction. No problem, <laughs> because I think there's a big connection between the natural world and art in general, how one inspires the other. And this is a fascinating discussion when you delve deep into the world of art to see those of us who are really connected to nature. I live in the country myself and all that. So I know how nature is so soothing to the soul, but how it's so inspirational. Have you found that yourself? Yeah, totally. I just think it's kind of this universal language isn't it and they're, they're very similar that you can just kind of whatever country you're in you can immediately delve into nature or you know delve into the music that's going on in a bar or whatever it is um yeah I've, I've always loved wildlife and then I've always sort of since I was a kid loved playing the drums and listening to music and I guess yeah I kind of end up saying to a lot of people these are my two passions I guess um we'll start with nature first yeah. because it's so intrinsically connected to art how did you first get into this interest in nature? Like you've a background in biology. That's like you've, you're fully qualified there to do whatever, but how did you get into nature? What was your first experience? Yeah, so I, I think it was probably just growing up in a village definitely helps because I think I was left to my own devices and, and with my sister a lot, just playing outside. Um, we used to breed caterpillars. We used to sort of hatch them into butterflies stuff like that got really I think that's the first thing that sort of connected me to nature was sort of keeping these little pets for some reason I just was really into the idea of having these caterpillars as pets which not all children did um but yeah I think I just like the colors and the calm of nature and it definitely sort of soothed my anxious anxiousness you know I've always been quite an anxious person but it's just um it allows you to breathe doesn't it yeah I suppose it grounds us as well nature grounds us all if we spend time there sure it really does you don't even notice it's happening but you feel calmer all the green and just having moved to somewhere with a lot more trees I'm like amazed by how much calmer I already feel but yeah I just I just used to watch lots of David Attenborough you mentioned Spring Watch because I, I used to, and I still do love Spring Watch. Um, Chris Packham, actually. Yes, he's a wonderful naturalist. But yeah. it's such an education for anyone to watch, you know, a young person, teen, adult. It just shows you how that you can delve into the natural world, learn so much 
about it and how it can really take you away from all this technology, which is the vibration and energy off of technology so artificial. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's so strange, isn't it? Um, yeah, but Chris Packham went, he did zoology, so the similar degree to me, I did the biology sort of strand, but I, I uh, specialised in ecology, so it was kind of, it just I just ended up going that way, and I don't think I've ever been very aware of where I'm going career-wise, but I've just always followed my nose in what, you know, what I'm interested in, which is a privilege, isn't it, sometimes in itself to just be able to be a bit blinkers or just going for it. But um, yeah, it definitely just made me happy, I guess. That's it's great to follow your passion. Do you feel fulfilled in your passion led life? I think I do. You know, I kind of the other day I was thinking about it and thinking about just, you know, I don't judge anyone's careers, but the idea of working in a bank or something, you know, working for the man or whatever it's just not not for me I think I've just always I'm so lucky at youth music because it's just an amazing office environment and it's so diverse and everyone's on the same page and it's just we bounce off each other it's it's fantastic honestly um so I don't I don't I think I'd have to almost fake my personality if I was working somewhere so clinical so I guess that's why I feel I do feel really happy that I've found somewhere that's just relevant to all my interests. How did this transition happen going from biology and ecology and all of that, which is really fascinating, and now you're the coordinator of the Youth Music Network, or you're in that zone. How did that happen? How did that job happen? So interesting. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it before. No one's really, I guess I've talked about it a little bit with friends, but I guess it was sort of a, a merging of interests because I was always playing in bands at uni and kind of interested in that and then I was doing nature stuff going on field trips and all that and I moved to London um I'd done an internship as an ecologist so I I had that experience so I took a job as an ecologist again in London um I was doing all sorts like bat surveys which is kind of linked to sound because we you know we had bat detectors and you know, it's such high frequency so there's a weird kind of sound engineering element there which kind of links to music but um yeah I just followed the ecology career stuff and then ended up doing a lot more of the admin and as a result kind of had a lot more experience in the sort of program coordinator type roles you know kind of I love doing a bit of everything and doing all the cross team working and I just that's how I kind of ended up transitioning I just sort of grew tired of consultancy work and then this job just you know when things just kind of I do believe everything happens for a reason something a door closes but one opens and just it just there it was and I, I showed my partner the job just youth music as a chair and he was just like you have to apply for this you know this is your calling is your DNA <laughs> so there it is yeah and how did you get into music first what's your background in music in general I was always played a lot of music at home you know Bob Marley the Beatles, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. My dad was basically playing me all sorts. Bjork. Um, yeah, my dad was a drummer in the 80s and that uh, meant that getting a drum kit in year seven, I was about 11. Um, my teacher actually sold me a drum kit. I think her daughter had given up playing, but she was looking to shift it. And thankfully she'd put posters up all around the school trying to get rid of this drum kit. And I was like, dad, you have to call this number. and We have to go and get this drum kit. And luckily he was very pro picking up this drum kit from someone um so that was my first sort 
sort of, you know, I was just so excited because I'd sat on a drum kit a few times and I'd just taken to it. I'd just taken to it like a duck, duck to water. Um, I had played, I'd played piano and violin, but I never quite, I don't know, I never quite took to it like drums. I think that's something about It never that. sat with you really. Yeah. Yeah. So from then on, I always sort of imagined myself playing on stage, but I never kind of thought it would happen until I realised that I think I had some inbuilt sexism towards myself and I hadn't given myself that chance and I'd sort of not seen many female drummers. That's you know? true, actually. Um, there isn't many. Yeah, just, it's just horrible when you, you don't see people that look like you on stage. I guess you sometimes just, as a, even as a child, you don't think you can do it. But anyway, I, I guess I sort of eventually it took me a lot longer than maybe um if I was a boy I have no idea but I I managed to get a band at uni so we can call you a pioneer let's say why not a pioneering (laughs) drummer there's lots of amazing amazing female non-binary drummers around but um yeah I didn't know about them as as much when I was younger and just looking at the youth music network now this is to me a very exciting role you have because it's by what you told me before we began in uh, recording this interview it's really getting music or sorry it's using music as a tool to connect into maybe deprived areas in England because that's where you're located and you're seeing very positive change through these efforts can you just tell us how the youth music network what it is, what kind of work it does. Yeah, so just just to clarify, the Youth Music Network is kind of our like sub website that's sort of to connect music leaders and, and to display jobs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the charity Youth Music, we just believe that every young person should have the chance to change their life through music, um, no matter their background. And uh, our research shows that, you know, many can't because of who they are, where they're from, what they're going through. Um, Our insights influence and investment in grassroots organisations and to young people themselves. It's really exciting because we've got this new Next Gen Fund where we are going to be giving young people £2,500 to do what they want with their musical project of any kind, whether that's being a promoter or, you know, an artist and having an EP release, whatever. Um, Our whole overarching thing is that we want more 0 to 25 year olds to be able to make, learn and earn in music. Um, So we go from early years to sort of young adults um, and everything in between, you know. Um, Yes, so we're, we're a national charity funded thanks to National Lottery, via Arts Council England, um, players of People's Postcode Lottery as well, and just support from so many partners, fundraisers, donors, uh, like TikTok and YouTube have been giving us investment, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, you know, I think we help over 400 projects sort of get, get off the ground and sort of run their activities that they, they want to run. So it's, So what kind of activities have you seen through your work that's actually happening at grassroots level? Have you a few examples? We uh, help charities like Girls Rock London. I don't know if you've heard of the sort of school band camps. You can have these sort of like where where women, non-binary people, young girls who've never picked up an instrument before, they can go and go and learn an instrument and sort of it's almost like school of rock vibe where they can just go and have a go at playing in a band which is amazing but we also help um 
fund early years projects. So it's just so interesting all the early years music education work and how important it is to sort of get babies and and toddlers just started you know in a musical environment from an early early age and their parents too and sort of um I guess sort of is it prenatal yeah you raised something there about the parents bringing the parents into the scene can you talk more about why you see that as important bringing the parents in with the kids and you know what, quite a lot of the time, it's just so the parent, the parents can have fun too and just see, it might be that they even get inspired by, you know, being in these in these projects and these groups, but also making friends and just feeling like the stress of life isn't there for an hour or whatever they're doing. Um, and yeah, just seeing their child develop, I guess, is, is always really nice. And yeah, it's just been such a hard time in the pandemic, I think more than ever, them being able to do in-person delivery again and meet people again and you know babies hearing music for the first time you know in a real sort of live sense. And what kind of positive stories have you heard from projects that are well on the road at grassroots level have you heard any success stories of people maybe picking up an instrument for the first time maybe being in that community context and then holding on to that musical skill and carrying it forward have you seen any end result come through those projects yeah yeah there's there's so many actually I mean there's one um audio active in Brighton I know they get a lot of young people in their studio and it just gives them you know almost the start of their career they can kind of go in and write lyrics for the first time and then kind of realize that that's their thing that they want to do um and there's there's examples of disabled young people who maybe were quite nonverbal, but you know having this like weekly music experience in in a project environment, you know they've there's a, some beautiful videos of just them being so engaged with the music. Um, so it's just it really is life changing for for so many people. Um, maybe I could send you some case studies uh, after this, perhaps because we've got so many lovely examples written up I don't know if I'll do any justice and sometimes watching the videos is just so nice yes I think video is how this impactful story can take place in people's minds if it's more it's it's possibly the case study is interesting from like the detail point of view but to see the impact on a person's physiology must be amazing yeah definitely yeah, just even I think sometimes just vibrations of stuff can just like it's just all these all these things that I don't you know that you can do with with things like that. So it's it's amazing. Yeah, I know, but you know, it's it's about raising the vibration and just changing the energy of an environment for that said time. And if they can hold on to that, then when they go home and try and use what they've learned, that's where the impact can really hold on and take place. So Phoebe, I'm looking at your bio and I'm looking at this idea of you being in a band amongst being part of the Youth Music Network and a background of biology. And you're also a member of a band that's about to start performing again in November. Tell us about this band. Yes, so I'm in a band called Me Rex and there's four of us in this band and we released our debut album this year, uh, megabear.co.uk is the website for this album because we did something slightly different to the usual album 
you know, set up and it's a 52 song shuffle album, which is in the same key and can be played in, in infinite orders, basically. Um, but each song is half a minute to a minute long. So they're short, which makes up for one continuous piece of music, but it's different every time you play it. Um, so yeah, we, we were on tour in November. Um, we've played a few festivals recently and it's been really cool to be playing music again. The lead singer Miles was a, he was a solo act for quite a while. And then we're just in the DIY, DIY music scene in London, basically. We kind of come across each other a lot and we all play in various other bands and we kind of just thought, what's another band? So we got in another band with him and it's it's been really, really cool. Um, so far and who who's the songwriter in the band it's miles so miles mccabe does most of the writing um and then rich my partner is in the band as well he does a lot of the, the arranging with him and the recording too and then me and Catherine often come in and obviously do all the i do the drums Catherine does guitar and it's very collaborative at that point so that's been really nice and the lyrics of the songs, like, is there a, a message you want to communicate through the lyrics of the songs? Are they chosen with a purpose? What are the songs about? I feel like I don't want to speak on behalf of Miles, but the latest uh, album has a lot of alchemy themes. So maybe I'll leave that for people to discover if they want to go and delve into it. Um, alchemy, that sounds interesting. And how would you define alchemy? What's your understanding about alchemy? Because I'm sure there are questions about like, what is alchemy? Alchemy, I'm going to actually get the definition up just because I don't want to, I don't want to go too, too mad. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> according to Google, a form of speculative thought that among other aims, try to transform base metals such as lead or copper into silver or gold. It's also sought to discover cures for diseases and a way of extending life. So it's all that kind of like messing with the elements stuff. A lot of the songs are called things like tin and lead. <laughs> it sounds such fun, such creative fun. Very scientific. So Phoebe, you're about to perform in November. Now, for anyone listening who really is fixated on the idea of performance and would love to get into the world, given your experience, what tips or tricks might do you have concerning performance that you would tell someone? I tell them, number one, don't give up. Number two, don't worry about being nervous because everyone gets nervous and it's still worth playing, even though sometimes you can feel a bit sick before you go on stage because it can be terrifying. Um, and number three, do some vocal warm-ups before, you know, you go on stage. Really have some routines that you follow that really helps you relax and get into the zone, I'd say. I reckon they're my tips for performing. And I would add to that just work on the breath. Yes. Because, you know, the faster your breath moves, um, if you slow it down, you're just calming the nervous system down. And mm -hmm. if you don't feel nerves, there's something wrong. <laughs> You seem like the sort of person that might be into mindfulness and sort of meditating. Yeah, I, I've gone down that route because I had to. And um, oh. I've really been through a 20-year journey now. I can tell you it's a it's lot great, of ups and downs. Yeah, yeah all it is. Making, making, making time for yourself is something that we rarely do. But I think the pandemic's helped people sort of at least... You know, it has, I suppose. I hate saying that the COVID pandemic, there's been positives out of it, but people tell me that it has been positive by pulling them back into their home. 
totally. with their family and connecting again and all of that. And communities have done a lot of background work while things were shut down. Exactly. Which is so and I, just, I hate to I hate to say that's a benefit of COVID though, because I this COVID I know I think thing, it's okay to say that though. I think I've been through the same thing of sort of like really enjoying the space and working from home and kind of breathing and knowing that it's because the, the world's not going for a good time but I hope we just learn from it and just be more compassionate um and mental health is such a big part of everything now as well like men- mental health stuff and realizing that people do get burnout and people you know need to they talk do. about it more they do they do 100 um I've done a couple of interviews in the recent weeks and on two occasions burnout was mentioned regarding performers in the musical Mm. world and that they had to basically remove themselves from the musical world and it took a long time for them to recover and they had to choose very carefully where they positioned themselves following that and they had to reevaluate what they were doing and why they were doing it and um, the, the performance world is all glitz and glamour but you have to in my opinion, from what I'm observing, you have to be very careful in how you maintain the environment that surrounds you on a day-to-day basis. Totally. So that burnout doesn't take effect. Yeah, it's just re- recognising the early signs of exhaustion yes. and kind of when you're feeling yeah. stressed, like why why that is and what you need to talk to your friends about or your manager at work or whatever it needs to happen, you know? Um, because I, I obviously work full-time and I always have, and then I've fitted in touring with annual leave and stuff and you know it's figuring out when to take leave to relax and when to take leave to go on tour and play these really quite hard shows when it's a long tour or when it's you know you're driving as well and yeah you just mentioned there that you're working full-time and you're also performing when you can permit or give the time to perform I'm just wondering where does practice fit in how do you fit practice in because there's two kinds of people. There's people who are so passionate about music that time spent to their instrument is just gold. And there's yeah. more people that they know they have to practice and they want the end result, but this practicing and working out the niggly little issues that occur during the learning process of a new piece of music or something is challenging for them. So yeah, totally. how do you fit in practice and how do you manage practice and what tips would you give someone? Well, I'd say... Firstly, you can sort of start off, especially if you play things like guitar and you're singing, you can do stuff at home, which is really nice. I know that one of my bandmates loves sort of sorting stuff out on her own before she gets in a space with other people. I think she just finds that a bit less intimidating because some people don't like learning on the spot or kind of like they don't feel like they can improvise. You know, they maybe they just need to get used to it. But um, yeah, I mean, I love I, I do love practicing purely because. I'm so anxious that I like knowing I'm not, I know the parts and I'm not going to get it wrong. Um, That's another thing though. It doesn't matter if you make a mistake on stage, as long as you're feeling it out and, you know, you're doing that. But my, my partner works in a studio in in Wilston green. So we go there. We actually do get that for free when we need to practice. Uh, Miles comes up from Brighton and we all go there normally if we had to pay for it, that would be maybe more of an issue. We wouldn't be able to practice probably as much. I think that's kind of an, an example of just financial constraint, meaning it's it's harder to yes. get that in. And I think over, over lockdown, we've been able to obviously practice and haven't had the shows. So it's been quite different. We've done a lot more recording and practicing than playing gigs. 
um but we managed to set up a few live streams i think you might have watched a few i'm not sure if you saw any but um uh, yeah i can send you a link to them too but that yeah please i'll put them in the podcast description yeah. for people to see them yeah that will be very I, educational I may, I may or may not have answered your question <laughs> yeah so the, th the thing is you see with some people who learn music they love music but when it comes to the niggly issues of trying to work out a difficult part of the music the challenge gets too big in their heads and it stops them for from breaking through that threshold of skill yeah and I'm just wondering have you ever met that in your own life with playing the drums like has there ever been a time where you've had to break through a, a challenge to reach that threshold of skill and possibly break through it to get to the next level yes yes definitely um my partner rich sometimes comes up with drum parts that he can't quite play but he knows that i would be able to play so he'll kind of show me what he means and sometimes i'll just be like no this this can't actually physically happen but we we always get there and it's always like oh my god this is a cool thing that i would not have thought of and I get really, I can be quite grumpy at first and sometimes I don't like sort of having to do it loads and loads of times and having to slow it down. And But once I get it and you can play it faster and you can play it with the band, it's amazing. So there's that's definitely a really good example of that um, that came to mind immediately. So what you're saying there is you work on your own, breaking through the skill issue, if you will, and then the result or the reward is that you go into the band situation in the studio and you're there and you can do it. Yeah. 100% and yeah. it's great crack. Great crack. So that's the great crack. That's our word here in Ireland for fun. Fun on steroids. <laughs> so, wow. So I, you've such an interesting life and I can get the sense, Phoebe, that you're, you're living a passion filled life and a very fulfilled life. And it's lovely to hear such a story. It really oh, is a pleasure. That's really nice, Sylvia. Now, thanks so much for having me. Um, oh, it's been a pleasure. I guess sometimes it's at the cost of uh, not having quite as much money, but you know what? Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. I've well, you see, if you go back into history and you look at this, if, yeah, so if you go back into history and you look at people like Mozart, renowned Mozart, I mean, he didn't have much money. He, he died a pauper. And I mean, but look at what he created. He created these melodies that are scientifically proven to have a beneficial effect when you're studying or if you need to calm down or they've just there's a lot of science that people have looked at Mozart's music and says what's going on with this music and yet when you look into the lifestyle that he led and the lack of money that he had and Beethoven was another example in, in the same situation he had difficulties in that area so money very often can be unfortunately one of the ways uh, creativity happens it makes you push a bit harder and kind of you know I mean I just hope that the government you know realizes that creative arts are really important it's it sometimes it's not always prioritized and I think that happens in most countries um, some of them not so much but well, I mean in recent years the big news broke in the US there back I think it was around zero eight when the financial collapse took place. There was going to be huge cuts in public schools concerning the music facilities there. And people in America, were, you know, the people in the know that knew the value of the arts were very angry about this. And they really spoke out strongly against it, but it didn't change things to my knowledge. 
unless private communities raised money and did their own thing. And, you know, for those people that know the value of the arts, it's a skill that you can carry through life. It's I have seldom met. I don't know. Actually, have I ever met somebody who plays music that's depressed? Oh, I've met. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think it helps depression. I feel like maybe I'm, I'm in a music circle where we all just we're all just sad, but that's OK, because we're, you know, we're, we're lifting each other up for music. Um, I'm such a huge believer in like community, you know, grassroots level stuff going on as well. And that that definitely keeps me going. That's so sure. you just said there, you know, a musical community that keeps you up. That's an illustration of what music does. Which is yeah, that's that's so true. You know what you've just made me think about is how you know how for ages we didn't value ecosystem services, which is sort of like the things you can't always put you can't always put a monetary value on a tree over there. It's almost the same of like you can't always put a monetary value on music, and that's the music and nature thing. And I seem to have tied it all around and tied it all up really well now. But the you know it's kind of when will you put a price on all these things and the well-being element and actually, you know, providing oxygen and it's, I'm mashing all my thoughts up now, but you know what I mean, probably. I do. I 100% know what you mean. It's like the financial minister in our government or the finance minister, I should say, the finance minister in our government doesn't value what needs to be valued because there's no price tag attached to it. That's the thing. It's so money driven. Mm, it's very much money driven. It is. I mean, look at, look at the, what's happening, the climate catastrophe at the moment. And I just hope that we, hum, the human race kind of uh, wakes up, does something about it or, you know, whatever happens, nature will be fine. It, it will adapt. It will do stuff. It will, it will come out the other side. But uh, don't know about humans. <laughs> mm, I think the farther we live away from nature, it can be a problem. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I just hope, I know, I hope we all kind of, I don't know I feel like I'm very I sympathize with just people because we've got this short lifespan and we don't always see 200 years ahead it's hard because it's very instantaneous life isn't it? yes I agree I agree yeah I often think our lifespan is too short sometimes there's I know so what you mean there's so much opportunity in the world to explore there's so much to be learned and it takes so long to learn all these things and before you know you're middle-aged ouch <laughs> I've heard, no, I've, heard, I've heard the 30s and 40s are the best, aren't they? I'm turning 30 soon, so I need to be told that. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, it's taken me 20 years to get to this stage. And if I'd known back in my 20s what I know now, I'd have a different life now. But having said that, the lessons have been well worth it, I believe so. Have you any other thoughts you'd like to share? And what are your social media websites that people can visit? um do I have anything else I want to share no just that thanks so much mm -hmm. for connecting this has been a really nice chat I think unhelpfully all our Mirex you know apps are all different but I think if you google Mirex music you'll find um me and all my my other projects and stuff like that um so yeah thank you so much no problem it's a pleasure Phoebe to have you on a pleasure an absolute pleasure let's check in again in a year or something or you know yes that will be really good and i'm going to check in actually with some of the other people as well in time to come so it will be really interesting to see what a year does see what developments have taken place on account of the covid changes and so on so yeah for sure 100 thanks phoebe thank you 
that was a wonderful interview with Phoebe Cross. You can find all the links to her music and her work and anything else that was mentioned in the episode in the podcast description below.